You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded hoes. Hey guys, welcome back. It's your host, Danica, and today I am joined by Rose. She is a Vancouver-based Canadian sex worker who has worked in the sex industry for seven years, doing both in-person and online sex work. When she's not busy living a super juicy life filled with glamour, a la Dita Van you can find Rose sharing groovy and intimate experiences with people who need and want deeper connections in their life. I have been trying to interview this lady for about a year now, I think. <laughs> I'm very excited to finally have you on. Hello, thank you. It has been almost a year since we've been trying to do this. Exactly. We finally we finally nailed it down. Uh, so first question, you've been working as an escort and an erotic masseuse. Before we even get started, can you explain to the listeners what an escort actually is? So essentially what I do as an escort is, um, I mean, in my definition of what I do, my job primarily is to hold space for people. Um, so typically that involves setting up a date, uh, which usually happens online, but sometimes I do meet people in real life that want to go on a date. Um, depending on the kind of date that they want, it involves private time, but sometimes it also involves spending time with them socially, which means, you know, when we say socially, we usually mean out in the world. So going to a concert, obviously pre COVID, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> COVID ruined everything. Um, going to see a movie, depending on the client, sometimes even just going for a coffee and a walk. It really just depends on the client. Um, but essentially, I mean, I think everyone sort of has a different wording or what they feel they provide to the word escort. And I feel that what I provide is just honestly, like, I'm a really good listener. So I like to do that. Um, and obviously there's intimacy involved. And I think that's typically where people's minds go when you say the word escort. Um, you know, obviously there are sexual acts and usually it involves intercourse. But again, the wording escort is very it's kind of up in the air because a lot of the times I spend the entire session. So say it's like a two hour date. I spend a two hour session just talking to a client because at the end of the day, sometimes people honestly just need someone to listen to their problems. So essentially that's my job. My job is to hold space for people in whatever capacity they need mm-hmm. on that particular day. Cause you know, we're all human beings. We all go through, different things on different days. Sometimes we have horrible days. Sometimes we have really great days. And basically my job is to just like ascertain what kind of day my client is having at that particular moment and go from there. So sometimes it involves sex and sometimes it does not. Mm-hmm. And, and to uh, just muddy the waters more, uh, you actually yeah. started in the industry as a sugar baby or in other words, sugaring. Can you explain the difference between escorting, sugaring, and prostitution? Honestly, sometimes even that is a fine line. And I know that's like, it's so difficult for people to like grasp certain concepts. But so my idea of sugaring 
I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. My sister actually got me into sugaring. Love it. And I was, oh my God, how old was I? I would have been like 22, 23, but she's eight years older than I am. So essentially I would hear all of her great stories and she actually ended up having like a long-term relationship with one of them. And so I was like, Oh, there's like a chance for love. And so that to me was like, okay, that's, that's what this could possibly turn into. Um, so I started out sugaring when I was 23 and my understanding of it at the time, it's very different now, obviously, because the longer you're in the sex work industry, the more convoluted concepts get and everything just sort of amalgamates into one tidy ball of sex work. But my I, my idea or my understanding at the time of sugaring was essentially you go on dates with men and they pay you. And I was sort of bred into like the Tumblr era of, I don't know if you had Tumblr, but I was bred into like the Tumblr era of sugaring, which was like, I make all this money and I don't even have to have sex. And so for me at like 23, I was like, great, like <laughs> this totally works. Cause I don't necessarily want to be having sex with like random people anyway. So my idea going into it, I guess was very like, I could potentially make some money here and potentially not have to have sex and just like essentially provide, I'm doing like bunny ear quotes right now, like companionship to men. And I was totally fine with that. So I actually ended up going, I flew to Los Angeles when I was, I think 23 And I was actually, this is bad, but I was in a relationship at the time and I flew to Los Angeles to meet this person and he was great. Like he took me around a lot. We went shopping and it was everything that I thought it would be. But then I got weird because when I flew home, like nothing happened, nothing happened on that trip. But then when I got home, he messaged me about coming out for Cinco de Mayo and I was like, oh yeah, totally. Like book the hotel room that I'm staying in and it will be fine. And he was like, what if I didn't book you a separate room? And I was like, absolutely not. So I think that the idea that I had of sugaring was very different from what the actual reality was. So Mm -hmm. long form to answer your question, I think sugaring, at least like to me, um, which I found out later was, um, going on dates and going on, you know, like going to see concerts and basically whatever you want to going on trips sometimes, uh, and getting paid to hang out with men. And for me, if the chemistry was there, have sex with them. Mm-hmm. And then what were the other ones? What did you say? <laughs> Escorting and- and like, this is my like way of speaking. I just speak so much. Um, and then how is that different from escorting and prostitution? Mm. honestly I don't think that there's much of a difference but that's just like my jam I've I've done it (laughs) I've done the sugaring I've done the escorting I've done the prostitution like I've done it all and to me it's not that different the only difference I think that I could touch on like right now would be With escorting and prostitution, you know exactly what you're going to be doing. And it's like a specific time frame. 
So I always found with sugaring, I would be on a date with someone for like, cause there was no specified end to the date. It would just, sometimes it would be like an overnight or sometimes it would be for like four to six hours, but you really had no way of knowing because you were setting it up through it. Like, I'm not going to say what site, but we all know the site <laughs> and you know, sometimes the date would just be endless and you're like, Oh my God, like this is, it was tedious to be honest. So I guess the difference would be is that sugaring is more tedious with the kind of work that I do now. I think, I don't know. I think that it's way, way less tedious because all parties know what's going on. Um, yeah, it just gives people the opportunity to know exactly what they're walking into and walking out of and that there's no emotional hangups. Like there's, um, to use the term NSA, like no strings attached. It's very much, I would apply that to sex work because everybody, hopefully if they know their boundaries well enough that they'll know what those boundaries are and that you're not to contact sex workers outside of their hours. And it's very much paid companionship. So yeah. Yeah. I think the definitions can get really kind of scrambled and there's a lot of overlap, but I think it's also important to be make sure we're calling the right things. Right. So the way I always say it, I think escorting is paid companionship and there isn't, um, the actual sexual act. And when there is the actual sexual act involved, then that's prostitution. And the way I see it, sugaring kind of can go either or. You can be a sugar baby who's just acting as an escort. So you can be a sugar baby who just accompanies them on dates, and then you're an escort. But some people prefer the term sugar baby. Or you can be a sugar baby who's sleeping with your client and getting paid for it. Then you're a prostitute, but again, you just prefer the term sugar baby. Um, So I think, if that makes sense, I think sugar babies fall into one of the two categories of prostitution or escorting. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really succinct way of putting it. And yeah, no, that's actually really good. <laughs> I've had some time to think on it. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just because it bothers me when like sugar babies seem to have this like concept of the hierarchy where they're like, I'm not a prostitute. Ooh, I'm just a sugar baby. I just sleep with them and they give me bags. It's like, well, I know. you're kind of a prostitute then, you know, um, or the constant hierarchy. Yes. Yeah. The hierarchy is, um, sadly alive and well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, yeah. So do you work with an agency or do you work independently? I've never actually worked with an agency simply because I don't, I don't, I don't ever try to knock agencies because I think that any, you know, any way that you want to try and make money as a sex worker is totally well and good. Um, it was more of a personal choice not to approach an agency. I just never, I guess I just never thought of myself as like, not the type of person that works at an agency, but it just seemed like it was a bit exclusive in terms of body types. And by that, I mean, like, I'm not tiny by any means I would probably describe myself as more curvy um I sit usually between like a if we're talking sizes like between an eight and a 12 and so by society standards obviously we know that that's not like super petite 
And I've always just found that agencies, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess a shorter way of saying it is I don't like having rules. <laughs> yeah. It just seemed like very, very much of a construct. And that's also fine. Like, again, I totally don't knock girls that do work through agencies because they deal um, just with a different set of issues than an independent sex worker would be faced with. Like we are in charge of all our own screening. Right. Um, whereas at an agency, that wouldn't be an issue. And I'm pretty sure like from what I gather from girls who work at agencies, I think that all the screening and all the safety aspects are taken care of. Um, but for me personally, yeah, I just, I never, I never really saw myself working in an agency and that could change. Like who knows, right? I never say never. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And I think, uh, well, on our previous episode with Trinity, the full service sex worker I interviewed, that is something she touched on that agencies can be very um, discriminatory about who they hire and a specific look and a specific body type. And I think I think you're pretty uh, pretty in the in the right with with what you said about feeling that agencies might not accept you because I think that's a very real issue for a lot of women who have you know normal healthy body weight. <laughs> No, totally. And I think we're sort of entering the dawn of a new era, like just in terms of body acceptance, but also just getting better with mental health aspects as well, but specifically with body positivity. And I like, it would be really exciting to see for me personally, it would be exciting to see agencies kind of like get hip to the drive in terms of getting on board with that. But Again, like I know that they they have their sort of construct, but I don't know. I think just with the changing of the decades and as, as you know, because I'm a millennial, like I'm 30. I turned 30 this year, which is like super weird to say. But I think that as millennials get older and, you know, other people are sort of not like falling to the wayside, but the workforce changes Right. And I think that as the workforce changes and the ages um, and the demographics change within, I think that, I mean, and I hope that we'll start to see changes like that. Cause I mean, I don't know, I'm ready. I'm ready as someone who definitely identifies as more of a plus size. I'm definitely ready. Cause it would be nice. It'd be nice to work for an agency, but I don't know. I can't, I can't really support something that, that has that, um, opinion, if you will, about women's bodies. It just seems really invasive and one thing less that we need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you do work independently and you're doing in-person acts, do you work out of your home, which is also known as in-call, or do you go see clients elsewhere, which is called out-call? So me personally, I work both in-call and out-call. Um, I have various locations that I work uh, with in-call spaces throughout the Vancouver area. Uh, I don't tend to travel too much outside of Vancouver just because I really like our transit system. Mm -hmm. Definitely. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) And um, with out-call, I actually, I don't, it's not my preference. I do it, but I don't prefer to just because... You know, you hear all these horror stories of girls that get filmed secretly from hotel rooms. And it's like my mindset with the whole thing is, and I'm in a very privileged um, position to be able to take this stance, but 
because I have access to various in-call spaces within Vancouver, I actually opt more to work in those spaces so that I don't have to deal with outcall. And there's, there's definitely like, don't get me wrong. There's definitely a thrill that comes with, you know, walking into a hotel that's like super swanky and I'm not going to be in the hotels, but like I have my favorites. Um, and there's a thrill, like I would be lying if I said there was no thrill and I, you know, you get the little butterflies in your, in your tummy and you're going to meet someone special and it's, it's great. But I think for me personally, like the, the, the cons would outweigh the pros just because there's so much, I don't know. There's so much for me that could transpire in a hotel room setting that it just feels safer to work from home or from an in-call space. Mm-hmm. You like the the control aspect too, that you can control the setting and, and what can potentially happen there. I do. And you know, I'm such a fucking hippie. Like, <laughs> are we allowed to swear? <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, we can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I am such a fucking hippie. I have all my stuff that I could ever possibly need within my apartment. And so for, you know, really special clients, I like to host them at my own apartment. And I have a very like 70s sort of bohemian funky style. And every single time a client comes to my apartment, they're like, oh, my God. (laughs) So it's really nice. And I like the feeling of having someone walk in and just be totally transported to a different era because it is. It's like super 70s, very – It's I would describe it as like deeply groovy and very ideal. (laughs) Love it. And all my records are here and they can just like replace spin the record. It's like choose your favorite record. And sometimes we just spend the entire session listening to records. Like it's it's super cool. And I really like having that intimacy. And I have a million candles on at all times. Like, even when I'm here by myself, I feel like I'm like Stevie Nicks in a music video from the 80s, and I have like a million candles. <laughs> so <laughs> it creates like a certain, just like a special kind of intimacy that I think people really appreciate. And honestly, I love to provide it because I think that the world could use a little bit more of that. So I like to infuse my sessions with a little bit of that. And um, yeah, it's just, it's different. It's different in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. It's a lot less personal. Um, can we also just go back to Stevie Nicks and how there's an entire generation who didn't know who the fuck she was until that like TikTok dreams uh, show came out or thing came out and everyone was like, oh my God, what is this new song? It's like, oh my yeah. God. Like, like That happened recently. That happened recently. And I was shocked and I was like outraged. I'm like, how do people not know? who Stevie Nicks is, this is a fucking travesty and I will not have it in my house. I know. It's insane. Um, I played the song somewhere and like a younger person was like, oh yeah, this is that from that TikTok video. I was like, no, it's not from the TikTok video. Like Stevie Nicks. Like, oh my God. The legend. I know. She's legendary. She's the definition of legend. A hundred percent. Stupid children. No, it's funny. It's funny that we're talking about Stevie Nicks right now because I was literally dancing. You know how you all have like your get sexy, get ready routine and you have like your certain songs that you put on before you do anything? Yeah. I definitely, I was definitely dancing around Stevie Nicks like right before we did this. So I'm glad that we're talking about the legend. (laughs) I know because I have cameras set up in your house. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not mad. I'm 
definitely not mad about it. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, I am that creepy. Um, speaking of... <laughs> um but yeah going back to the actual questions people want to know um can you walk us through what a typical shift would look like for you um for for the more full service type style like they show up at your house or you show up to your location or the in-call location and how does that kind of transpire yeah, so I'll I'll do since I do more in call and sort of at my apartment, I'll walk you through one of those. Um, so essentially, somebody. I mean, now that COVID is a thing, I actually take temperatures. So I have my little temperature gun, um, and I leave a little thing, a little tiny personalized bottle of hand sanitizer outside my front door for them, and I require that they hand sanny before they come in. And then when they come in, um, they also have to be wearing a mask during this whole process, by the way. Um, and then when they come in, I take their temperature. And if it's within the normal range, then they are <laughs> they are permitted into my humble abode. And essentially, there's like usually there's some chatter that happens and just banter. Like I love a good banter. If, if anyone knows me, they know that I love a good banter. And I usually spend gosh, depends on the person. Like if it's someone I'm just meeting, um, usually the banter lasts a little bit longer. Or if I haven't seen a person for a while, I banter quite a bit. Um, but for somebody new, I would usually give them like, I mean, my apartment is like a shoebox because we live in Vancouver, but I would take them on a little tour of my apartment. Um, and I just, you know, tell them where the linens are, where their bathrobe is, um, and that, and then I sort of just end it like I'll, I'll meet you in the bedroom because that's low pressure, and I find that clients typically respond really well when you give them directions because honestly, a lot of the time they're nervous, and and I totally get it, especially if you're meeting a stranger for the first time. But I do, I want them to feel like it's a safe space because it is, and. Yeah, that's that's essentially how it goes. A lot of the time people like to just wax poetic on my couch or like explore my record collection because it is vast and ever growing. <laughs> um, and I'm always fine with that. Like I'm I usually talk to people about music like a lot of a lot of what I do is talking about music because that's sort of my brand. Right. So people really like that. Mm-hmm. And then for like the actual like act. Um, whether you're doing erotic massage or full service, is that decided ahead of time? Is the amount of time they're going to be with you decided ahead of time? Um, like how is the money exchanged happening? Um, I think people, I think it's hard to understand like how the business is part is incorporated into like the sexy time, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. Typically, at the beginning of the date is when I would accept the, some girls like to call it the donation. I call it the rate. Um, so at the beginning of the date, I accept the rate in an envelope. Um, it just, it, it feels a little bit better if it's an envelope. It's more comfortable for all parties. Um, and then in terms of, you know, the type of appointment or the type of session that they're there to experience... Typically with me, like, and it's going to be different with every provider or person that works independently, but typically 
it's been discussed beforehand so that they know the amount of cash to bring because it gets really awkward if, you know, they show up and they're short cash because then I'm like, okay, well, I actually, you know, I'll, I'll wait until you hit an ATM and I'll just like, I'll be here. But then that, that comes out of their time. Mm-hmm. So it just, it, I think that it's a lot less awkward if the donation is handled at the beginning and also things have been hashed out before. And typically the way I do that is through email. So typically I'll send out a, I feel like I'm saying typically a lot, typically. So <laughs> typically, <laughs> so typically I will send out what I call a confirmation email once I've discussed and I've ascertained exactly what the client is looking for. Um, and I will send them confirmation email, basically detailing all of the, you know, like my address, um, how much cash they're expected to bring. And then, you know, the cash, including the tip, the email that I send as a confirmation typically should arrive. I mean, depending on when they've completed all of their screening should arrive no less than a day before our actual scheduled appointment so that they know walking into the session exactly how it's going to be and no one's uncomfortable. Everyone knows the exact amount of money that's going to be exchanged. Um, and then in terms of, you know, if someone wants a longer session, um, I think these days most people have the wherewithal to sort of suss out beforehand and actually ask like, Hey, if I want to extend the session or our date, am I allowed to do that? And if, you know, like working independently, we make our own schedules, right? So Sometimes I'm available and sometimes I'm not. These days, typically no. Um, But again, I always appreciate when people ask me about this beforehand because it's just, it's just good to have like a heads up. Like who doesn't love a heads up? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then, okay. So I'm going to ask all like the nitty gritty because people want to know this, right? They want the juicy details. So they reach out to you. They decide I want an hour, um, I want an hour central massage or I want an hour uh, full service. They come over, you guys shoot the shit, you guys banter, they go through your uh, records, you know, pretending they know what they are, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they reference Stevie Nicks, TikTok, um, and, then, uh, and then, and then do you like, okay, let's, let's do what you came for and take your pants off, <laughs> that smooth (laughs) I mean I wish I was that smooth I mean it honestly it really depends on the person like I get it my clients run the gamut from like you know just turned 20 year olds to like people who are 60 so you know if they're less I'm trying to find the right wording. If they're less um, experienced, experienced, yeah, yeah. If they're less experienced, I'm obviously going to lead a little bit more, and I'm going to be more forward. Whereas, you know, if someone is, as we like to call them, an experienced lover, <laughs> they will usually know what to do, and I don't have to do much at this point. And honestly, I'm more. I mean, I'm a bit of a switch. I know we're not getting into like sexual stuff yet, but I'm a bit of a switch. And I really enjoy when somebody woos me. Like I like a nice glass of wine. So if they bring a bottle, I'm immediately going to crack that open in the bedroom, right? So it honestly just depends. Like some people are really versed in the art of seduction and some people just need a little nudge. So if they need the nudge, then 
I give them an edge. Mm-hmm. And um, this is something I talked about with Trinity was, you know, if someone's paying per hour, is that just one one round or are they, are you guys having sex multiple times? Are they getting multiple massages in that time frame? Yeah. So typically, I mean, I, I always just say it's however I feel and I never like to, you know, like if someone were to email me and be like, uh, it's called MSOG. I always call it MSOG, but it's M S O G is the acronym. And that stands for multiple shots on goal, which I find super oh. grody. I just, I can't, I, <laughs> I'm going to be a basic white girl for a second. I just can't even with some of the acronyms that men like to use. I've never even heard that them. before, but I guess I'm not a big <laughs> hockey player. So <laughs> that's why I mean, it works. It works for Canada. Right. But I just wonder, like, this might be an American thing too. Like, I don't even know, but, um, with MSOG, see, it even sounds disgusting when I say it out my mouth. Like, it's just so gross. But with multiple shots on goal, essentially, it means, you know, you can come as many times as you want. Whereas I don't, I don't know, it's not really the vibe with me. It's it's less about how many times you come and more about the experience overall. Like, I'm a big picture kind of girl, and I always just say um, – to men in emails, when I get inquiries, I just say like, it's, it's not really about that for me. And if it is like, no, no judgment at all. Right. Like some people just know themselves intrinsically and they know that they need to come two or three times and all the power to them because orgasms are healthy. We never knock orgasms, but that's not really the kind of experience that I'm wanting to provide to someone and say like, an hour and a half time frame because to me it just feels like it's really rushed and I'm a Virgo. So I'm super sensitive <laughs> <laughs> and I like to get to know someone like, and it just doesn't feel like there's um, enough time in like say a 90 minute date for someone to come twice because it, it just feels like it's really rushed and it's, I can't really explain the feeling. It just, it feels uncomfortable. That's the wording that I'll choose for that one. Yeah. Do you have a lot of clients who you guys have your intimacy? And so I assume, like, correct me if I'm wrong, you give a massage and then a hand job or a blow job, or you guys have sex determined on what, what um, agreement has been made beforehand. And then what happens afterwards? Like, do you get up like the guy would and throw him the towel and be like, clean yourself up? <laughs> Oh my God. Well, first of all, the two rules of my house are no running with scissors and do not throw shit at my face. Um, those are totally not rules. I just made them up. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, everyone, I sort of think about it like, like your typical, okay, I'm going to walk you through like how I actually have sex. Go, let's hear it. (laughs) Not from the beginning, but like afterwards, Actually, this is something that one of my sugar daddies did for me, and I never forgot it. So he used to bring me um, a warm cloth that he ran under the tap after we had sex. And I always thought that was so nice. Like, it was so nice. And I actually started doing it for myself. So after I would masturbate or make myself come with, like, you know, one of my vibrators or whatever it was, I would just run to the bathroom super quick taking care not to stand up too fast because you know you can pass out 
fun fact, which I discovered all by myself alone at my apartment at night. That's a whole other story. But I run to the bathroom and I get myself and it's like a self-care act. Like it's just a way of like providing something nice for yourself and like just living your juicy life. And I just get myself like a nice hot cloth and I put it on my pussy and it feels amazing. So I started doing this for clients after I would give them a massage because, you know, they're covered in their baby batter. Oh I just my God. Baby batter. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I have never heard that before. <laughs> I'm just going to look up. I'm going to Google right now a list of all the nasty words for semen, and I'm just going to use them all throughout, Thank you. and it's going to be a great that. interview. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for bringing You're your, so your best welcome. game. <laughs> I'm thinking of you, really. <laughs> so considerate. But yeah, so so essentially, like, you know, like when everyone has an orgasm, you're exhausted after, and so it's just something that I like to provide for clients. Like I, I have special, and this is another thing I have special face cloths that I, well, except they're not face cloths, but I have special cloths rather that I set aside and I know which ones are like the crotch, let's call them the crotch cloths. Um, and I know not to use those on my face later because skincare is important and I don't want like someone's ball sack on my face more than I do. <laughs> Unless they're paying for that. Um, Unless they're paying for that, but that costs extra. <laughs> um, and then, okay, so during and post-coital, post, post um, do you kiss your clients and do you cuddle? Like, is that level of intimacy involved as well? Or is it like a pretty woman thing where there's no kissing? <laughs> I love the pretty woman reference because that is like the reference when everyone thinks pretty woman, they think like the no kissing thing. Cause that was her thing. That yeah, was her jam. That was her jam. Um, but no, that's not the vibe. That's not the vibe in my house. Um, I don't know. Like I'm a big fan of certain things before I kiss someone. And one of those things absolutely has to be that they use the mouthwash in the bathroom. Um, and fun fact, you can actually, if so, I don't know if you know this, but this is like a thing that I actually learned from Twitter. Um, if you brush your teeth, it actually can pop open and not like blood vessels, but like it can essentially open tiny little wounds in your mouth and it can make you more susceptible to, um, STIs and getting infections and stuff like that. So typically, and for anyone who's listening, I, I always tell clients like, don't brush your teeth. Um, I say two hours, but really I heard that it's supposed to be one hour before you, um, you know, are meant to go on a date. Um, and yeah, just use mouthwash really. So if they have mouthwashed and their dental hygiene is up to snuff, then yeah, I definitely kiss. But I think that kissing is really intimate and what I offer, um, is, is more of a GFE experience. And so GFE for anyone listening, um, is the girlfriend experience. So typically I, I, I'm sure there's more, but the two main ones are PSE, which is the porn star experience and GFE. So GFE is what I do. Um, I've never offered the porn star experience just because I'm not like, I mean, I am now technically because of OnlyFans, but I've never thought of myself as a porn star and I've never done porn films. Um, so I do typically offer GFE and I find that it's a really lovely way to 
connect with clients that maybe are like in between relationships and they're just lonely or, you know, like it's, it's really just whatever, whatever the client feels. Yeah. You know, what's funny is uh, a girl in my industry a little while back told me that she was using those terms, but I caught on that me and her have very different uh, versions of what that means. And my vision of what a girlfriend experience is, is someone who your clock starts and there's this kind of foreplay aspect and banter and asking how your day is. And then you guys you know, even have dinner or drinks or something. And then you have your intimacy and then you're kissing during the intimacy and there's this aftercare aspect and et cetera. Right. And that to me was the girlfriend experience and porn star experience would be, you know, you have an hour, you come in, Hey, you know, you do your pleasantries, you have your sex, the person most likely won't kiss you or have those. And there's no post-coital cuddles. And, you know, it's like, thanks for the money. You know, you know, not that either one's better than the other, but they're just offering a different one. I think is more of an emotional focus. One is more of a physical focus. Um, That's how I always took girlfriend experience versus porn star experience. This girl says to me what she's known the difference to be is that all it means is that a girlfriend experience doesn't use a con does use a condom and porn star experience doesn't use a condom. Well, something about condom use was different. And I was like, ma'am, who is lying to you? What client told you it has to do with condom use? Because he was definitely trying to get you condomless. And that's never, I've never heard that from another sex worker since. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you've also never heard that as I'm gathering from your laughter. No. Oh, that's wild. That is wild. No, because to me, like, no matter what you're doing, you are using condoms. Like, whether, like, honestly, though, like, whether that's um, oral sex or penetrative intercourse, like, you just always use condoms. Yeah, one would think. Okay, so how do you find your clients and, like, how do you advertise your services? Uh, So primarily I use websites the one that I love 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 because it's actually sex worker run and it's female run is called Trist so that's T-R-Y-S-T um and I find that they're just really um they're just they're like basically my favorite ad platform and I do use other ones um one that I've been known to use in the past has been Leolis which I think is actually like really common um in our community I used to use Backpage, but that was like, oh my god, how many years ago was that? Before all the <laughs> yeah, that's been closed down for a while now. Yeah, all the political bombs that went off in the U.S. and uh, basically their FOSTA SESTA bills that got passed, and it just essentially Backpage got shut down. And it's, yeah, I find that things really changed after that. So primarily these days, it's really just been Trist and another ad platform called Slixa. Right. And I know with Leo's list, um, you have to pay, right, to advertise on it? You do. It's sort of an interesting system that they have. Basically, you purchase what are called bumps. And essentially what a bump is. um, Not cocaine? Bumps. What's that? Not cocaine. (laughs) 
I was going to say, not cocaine terminology. That's another podcast. (laughs) But yeah, essentially, um, purchasing bumps would, if you were to use one, um, bumps your ad to the top of whatever page. So page one. And essentially, it just ensures that more people see your ad. However, they started getting a little bit sketchy. I don't actually like to use Leo list anymore just because um, after they, you know, essentially they took took advantage of the whole back page FOSTA-SESTA situation um, and started skyrocketing their bumping prices. And I just thought that was really unethical and it was taking advantage of sex workers. And I just, I mean, if there's one thing I'm not going to do, it's that. So mm-hmm. I don't like to support companies that do that. It's shady. Yeah, totally fair. And then is is Trist the same way? Do you have to pay to advertise on Trist as well? Yeah. So with Trist, I feel a little bit better about supporting them because it's a super ethical company and they're really um, they're just really good about addressing concerns within the community. Um, and it is. It's run kind of the same way. I believe you – Oh gosh. I, it's funny, like thinking about these things, it's causing me to actually think about them. And normally I am just on autopilot and I just do the thing. Um, but with Trist, you purchase, um, I think they're called coins. I think Trist calls them coins. And anyway, they apply them to your account because you have to create a profile and then you can actually choose a monthly plan depending on what your needs are. And there's like a light plan, um, that may or may not be the free plan. But uh, there's a light plan, there's a premium plan, like there's different plans. So it's really like a build your own adventure kind of thing. And I actually really like it for that reason, because, you know, on months when I don't want to work as much, I actually downgrade because they allow you to do that. You're allowed to downgrade your own plan. And then on months where I want to work more, you can, you know, purchase like different ads. So that could be like a banner in your city or like a smaller banner. So it's, it's kind of mix and match, and I really, really love Trist for that reason, for sure. Okay, and then Trist and that, they're all, like, advertised as dating apps or dating sites, aren't they? Um, no, so Trist is actually – I think they gear it – like, I think it's actually an ad platform for escorts and prostitutes. Like, I'm pretty sure that's what they – are you looking it up right now? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, I am. The cat – the thing is uh, – Trist, casual dating. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? See, it's funny. I never look at it. I never look at it. I did when I first got it. But then, you know, the more you're on it, the less you look and you just like get in and get out and do your thing. So that's kind of where I'm at. Interesting. Yeah, no, it looks like a great site. Um, if, hey, if you're recommending it, I, I vouch I vouch for you to vouch for it. <laughs> so yeah. Definitely yeah, it's something. definitely my favorite uh, ad platform right now because there was, you know, there's Eros, which is, I don't even know if Eros is still around. I think it is. I remember a girlfriend mentioning it a little while back. So you get your clients mostly online. Um, can you describe what a typical client looks like, acts like, who who a typical client is? Oh my God, that's so tough because they, again, just run the gamut, like, I feel like a lot of my answers are very like wishy-washy because it's so hard to pinpoint exactly. Um, I mean, so much of sex work is subjective, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But with clients, I mean, I've had, again, like I said before, I've had like 
20-year-olds that have never been with a woman before to, you know, 60-plus-year-old men who are, like, retired and they're, like, hedge fund investors. Like, I've I've literally seen and done, no pun intended, <laughs> done it all. <laughs> done it all. So it's, yeah, like, in that way, it's really hard to pinpoint. But, you know, I always just say – if you want to know who my clients are, like look to the guy standing in line next to you at Starbucks, like on his phone, swiping through Tinder, like whatever, like look at the guy. Yeah. Look at the guy who's jogging down the street in Kitsilano. Like you, they're literally everywhere. And it's, it's actually kind of amazing because I don't know, like for me, I don't, I, I don't feel like I look like your typical sex worker, right? Like when, when I'm walking down the street on like an average day and I'm in my Lululemon pants and my like Vessies trying to avoid the rain, I don't look like your typical, and I'm doing like bunny ear quotations with my fingers, like your typical sex worker. So I like to apply that same thought to clients because sometimes a client will walk in and we have no idea who we're getting. Like we've, we've had some banter in an email and we've done their screening and a lot of the time I'll have seen their government issued ID because that's one of my screening methods. But I mean, you can't get a lot from a picture. So when a client walks in, sometimes I'm, I mean, I'm always pleasantly surprised, but it's just, it's always interesting being like, huh, I never would have pegged you if I had passed you on the street for, you know, someone who would see an escort or a sex worker. So it's always interesting seeing who walks through door and part of it for me is I mean that's what I love because I'm always surprised it keeps me on my toes but I mean I've had I don't want to like give away secrets but a lot of clients that I saw pre-COVID were from the U.S. Um, and some of them are like you know tech investors some people are hedge fund like it just um, a lot of people in tech actually now that I think about it and also the cannabis industry, which is kind of funny, but that's more like Vancouver clients because I feel like that's more of a thing here. Mm-hmm. No, the tech thing, like I feel like everyone says that. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, that's one of the, the reason why I asked that question is because people always make comments like, oh, she probably fucks like the grossest old guys. And I think people would be really shocked to know how many clients are in their like 20s and 30s, good looking, in shape. Like, and I think, I think people don't realize like how much people crave intimacy, I think is one big thing. And Mm -hmm. everyone likes, you know, someone to pleasure them, I think. And, you know, there's not like a, a age restriction on that. And I also think people are fucking busy, right? People are busy, especially in the city. And sometimes they just want sex and they don't want to have to do the song and dance of going on Tinder taking on a date, hoping it ends in sex, like when you can just be above boards with someone who's like, hey, I'm going to pay you this much. I'd like an orgasm. And the person's like, cool, I'll give you an orgasm for that much. And like, it's just (laughs) cut and dry. And, you know, so I think this whole concept of like the gross old man is the only one that wants hookers. It's like, no, (laughs) like that's really not the case at all. Absolutely. And honestly, I don't blame them. Like, girl, have you been on Tinder? Gross. Girl, have you been in Vancouver? Gross. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That is where I met my current partner. And so I sort of feel this like, 
I don't know. I feel like I can't really knock it, but at the same time I can because Tinder is kind of gross. Like it's a Uh, lot of gross. It's just gross. Um, not to say that there's not like gems on there because obviously I found one and you know, that's, that's like my heart and soul, but yeah, like it's, I don't, I honestly, I don't blame them. And I think that if I were in their position, I would do the same thing because it takes a lot, like you said, it takes a lot of the guesswork out. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's this, like, I think that there has been this culture of, you know, obviously whore shaming, which I think people are getting wiser about not doing and they're becoming more accepting, but it's becoming more the norm to seek companionship or, or paid sex or prostitution or whatever you want to call it. It's becoming more the norm. And you're absolutely right. Like a lot of my clients are really young and it's, it's, you know, I don't, I don't age shame either. Like I'm all for a healthy sexual appetite. And I know that some girls do have age restrictions, which is also like, Hey, like you have to dictate your own working conditions. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and that's very much a thing and we're all about autonomy. So in the spirit of being autonomous, there's just like, it's just really whatever you want. And so for me, I've never implemented that, but yeah, it's like any age is good. As long as you're legal, that's boogie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you mentioned screening. How do you keep yourself safe and how do you vet your clients? It's funny. I actually get this question often and it's mostly from my friends and the people that I know like personally in my life. Um, because obviously they want to know that you're being safe as a sex worker and that's, that's major. That's like rule number one is you have to look out for yourself and be super safe. So, um, I implement a few different protocols for my screening and I know that independent workers are, you know, we all use our own methods, but typically, I guess I'll speak for myself first. So for me, I require at least two pieces of government issued ID, whether that's like your passport or your driver's license. And I always say, um, because, you know, sending your ID to a stranger online is sort of a faux pas and we're always told not to do that. So I always just say, um, as long as I can see your photo and your first and last name, and your birth date, that's all I need to know. Like you can cover your home address. I don't need to know where you live. This isn't for me to come and stalk you. It's literally just for me to like ensure that I'm not seeing a psychopath. Um, and the other thing that I ask for that, you know, is, is sort of hit or miss depending on if this is someone's first time seeing an escort or not. Um, I ask for at least two references from a provider that I'm able to find that has like a social media or I'm able to email, but I do prefer, um, you know, I prefer references from people that have social medias because then you know that you're actually emailing that person as opposed to, you know, emailing a fake email that a client has set up. Cause it does happen. It definitely happens where clients set up fake emails as other escorts or companions and they pose, if you will, as that, companion and it's actually just not good. So crazy stuff happens. You definitely have to be safe. Um, and then obviously during the COVID era, I've implemented like a whole safety structure. And I basically asked like, have you left the country or have you traveled rather in the last 14 to 18 days? Um, you know, have you come into contact with anyone that has COVID have you experienced any flu-like symptoms, X, Y, Z? So I go through the whole thing with people 
And it's really important to do that because honestly, safety is a huge part of our job, especially working independently. You really, really have to take care of yourself. And some of these lessons, I know like there's, I have a few girls that are just starting out in the industry that are my friends and it's sort of been a lesson hard learned and my heart just aches for that. Like I, I never want women to have to go through things that are difficult, especially in our line of work, because, you know, not everyone has good intentions. And so it's super, super important to just maintain safety protocols, especially during COVID. My God, like it's just such a difficult time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, to go back to the ID, are people pretty hesitant to offer that information to you? So if there, I've sort of noticed a trend, I've noticed that the people who have seen somebody before, like they've seen a sex worker, they've been on a date, they know how things go. Typically, they're a little bit less squirmish about giving, is that a word? Squirmish? It is now. Squirmy? Yeah, no, I think it's squirmish. It sounds fucking weird, but I feel like it is. Squirmish? Skittish. Let's go skittish. Yeah, that works. So typically, <laughs> yeah, typically the ones that are less skittish about providing their information uh, in the form of their ID and, you know, their LinkedIn profile, which is also something asked for, um, they're the ones who, you know, they've they've done the whole, oh, I've been with a sex worker thing and they're comfortable with it. And, you know, also the ones that are gentlemen. Like I find that the best clients are the ones that just screen super easily and they just they just get it and actually it's typically the people that find me on twitter so twitter is like it's like god's land for clients it's just so great damn twitter is where it's at (laughs) twitter is happening twitter is happening you gotta get on twitter (laughs) i do um so yeah that's a great way to screen people before they get there when they're actually with you. How do you keep yourself safe, um, both you know, physically in the sense of um, assault, but also how you keep yourself safe from STIs and sexual, uh, like your sexual health in check. Yeah. So for physical safety, I actually like I went through a weird phase where I was really interested in Krav Maga, which is like Israeli street fighting. Totally randomly because I'm such a hippie in other parts of my life. <laughs> but yeah, I was really interested in Krabaga. So like I, your girl took some classes and I feel like the stuff that I learned is stuff that can easily be applied because it's street fighting. Um, it can be easily applied in virtually any situation. And so um, I've never been super uncomfortable in a session. Like, and again, I say this from a place of like extreme privilege, Um I've never really had an issue where I've had to have like a physical altercation with anybody. Um, thank God. But I know that a lot of girls like to keep base. Like I don't want to give away too many secrets. So it's oh, hard no. to go into a lot of detail. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And just to, you know, keep safe all the time. But um, yeah, like f- physically I've never really had much of an issue. So I'm not too worried about that. And obviously like I've, I've done some, some street fighting training. So I've got that on lock, but, um, in terms of STI is like, <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. My sister, when I was quite young and I had just started having sex with my high school boyfriend, 
um, she sat me down in her car one day and she's like, you know, you're having sex now. So you're going to learn all about the STIs and all of it. I mean, at the time we were called STDs. So you're going to learn all about the STDs and everything. And she gave me this, like, I can't even describe to you. Like she had printed off all of these sheets of paper and with pictures and she went through and she made me, she made me look at every single page and read all about the STDs. And I feel like that shook me from a very young age. And I was like, okay, so this is something that we need to be smart about. And thank God for my sister. If you're listening, I love you. Um, and it just like, it instilled in me this sort of like, I don't even know how you describe that. Just like the, the valiant effort to educate not only just myself, but everyone else about how easy it is to spread and contract STIs because it super is. And so one of the ways that I, I mean, me personally protecting myself is I use condoms for everything and I cannot stress enough everything. And that includes like oral sex that includes penetrative sex, all of it. And I know that this has sort of been a conversation that's been had. And honestly, a lot of my, we call them civvies, right? Like civilians. A lot of my civilian friends who aren't sex workers, I see them, you know, being, let's say, frivolous with their sexual health. And it's just not something that I'm willing to do. And, you know, Mm -hmm. for me, I'm in a bit of another situation where I'm with someone who I love deeply and care about deeply. And I would never want to compromise their sexual health in any way, shape or form. So for me, it's like a duty, Mm -hmm. not just for my partner, but for myself. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, like staying safe and using condoms. I'm always like, I would clap right now, but I don't want to like distort the sound on the podcast, but like condoms, 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 condoms all the time. Yeah. There's, there's a condom lady that wanders around downtown. I don't know if you've seen her, but she's got like blonde, sassy hair. And she's always, I call her the condom lady because I don't know her name, but she walks around downtown and she just hands out free condoms. And I'm like, girl, I love you. Yeah. She's doing the Lord's work, like safe sex for everyone. Because if everyone's having safe sex, then like, what do you have to worry about really? Yeah, exactly. And that's like, I know I talked to Trinity about this too. It's one of the biggest frustrations I have is people constantly insinuating that sex workers, specifically full service sex workers are, um, you know, diseased. And I don't know any full service sex workers, again, acknowledging that I am a privileged sex worker and most of my friends are privileged sex workers, but the full service sex workers I know, they're adamant about condom use and, um, condom use for head and other things too and when I say that to squares they're like what people use condom for head and it's like yes you can get diseases in your throat like it's a thing you can get throat cancer like yes yeah people just aren't knowledgeable about proper sexual health like y'all need to educate yourself (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love this song let's play it again (laughs) yeah um So you've actually recently made a switch from in-person now to online work. Uh, You referenced OnlyFans earlier. How has that been? It has been interesting. I'm not going to lie. I was sort of debating whether or not I wanted to hop on the OnlyFans train simply because for me, I love in-person work. Like it just 
speaks to a part of my soul that just feels really, really yummy and juicy. And for, you know, you lose so much of the nuance when you are online, you know, like everything seems tougher because of the screens that are in front of your face. And so I don't know. I, I debated it for a while and I actually made my OnlyFans account a lot earlier than when I started using it. Like, I think I made it, oh God, I want to say like December of last year. And I knew about COVID actually before it had hit here because I follow, I'm sort of into like more alternative news sources and they were talking about how it was happening in Wuhan. And so, you know, I had chats with my partner about it and we were both aware of it before it even came here. And so I had made it in December of last year, I think. And it took me a while to actually get on board with it just because it's, there's so many moving parts of it. Like you, I really like my heart goes out to the girls that make it work because it is hard. Like it's really, really difficult. Um, I know that some girls have an easier time of it and I'm like all the more power to you, but yeah, you definitely have to, um, make a commitment to make your content. And for me, like I'm a super deep Virgo, so I'm a perfectionist to my core and I, I just always want to put out content that is like of a certain caliber and there's good lighting and, you know, and it's authentic. Like my whole thing is just being authentic. And so, um, OnlyFans has definitely been, it's been a time. Let's put it that way. It's been a time. A time has been had by all. <laughs> oh, I, I say it all the time. Well, I'm, I'm an in-person like a stripper, right? So when I started doing OnlyFans, I did have some success on it and I definitely, it definitely was good, but the amount of actual labor you put in for the return online is monumental compared to in person in my experience. I don't know if you, if you agree or not. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's tough because I mean, PPVs are great. So the, the pay-per-view messages that you can send out. Um, But it really, it just depends on what you want to charge for your content. And yeah, like I've, I've talked to some friends that also have OnlyFans and they're like, yeah, I have to set aside days where I film content. And those days are just like write-offs because it's exhausting and it totally can be. And that's why I push self-care, you know, being a major hippie. <laughs> that's why I push self-care so, so hard because to do, I mean, really any kind of sex work, you need to have like your self-care game has to be major. This is something that I've talked to my therapist about. Um, It's, you know, the first time I ever met my therapist, I sat down and he was like, so as a sex worker, your self-care game must be amazing. And I just looked at him and was like, oh, okay, you know. And it was amazing to me that someone, you know, who, who doesn't do that at all would know that. And so I was like, okay, you've obviously talked to sex workers before and you know that it's exhausting. So it's, yeah, your self-care game has to be so, so high because mm-hmm. the potential for burnout is so extreme. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You really have to take care of yourself. Definitely. Um, we're going to touch on that in a little bit, but you, you've been doing sex work for seven years now and well, clearly your therapist knows you're a sex worker, but do other people in your personal life know what you do for work? 
Um, the short answer is yes. Would you like the long answer? <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know you to ever give a short answer. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my finer points. <laughs> um, yeah. So, oh gosh. So I was actually outed when I was. I'm 30 now, which is still so weird to say. But I was 27 when I was outed. Um, and I was only outed to like my immediate family. So that was my mom, my dad and my brother. So I have like a really big family and I'm going to get into that cause it's going to make the story longer. But, um, essentially someone in my family decided to out me, which was extra hurtful. And I remember having the conversation with my mom where I had just gone upstairs to be alone after it had happened. And, she came in and just had, you know, like 21 questions for me because you want to know that your daughter is being safe and all this. And after we had that discussion, it was sort of like a, not like a peace washed over her, but it was sort of like an acceptance. That's how I would describe it. And she sort of, you know, and being a religious woman, that was sort of surprising for me mm. um, to, to see. Cause I just thought like, Oh, she's gonna, you know, she's going to treat me a certain way or she's going to like, turn into a rage machine. Like, I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but that's not what happened. And I think there was some level of acceptance, which was pleasantly surprising, but, um, yeah. So my partner knows as well. And, you know, my close friends all know, cause that's not the kind of thing that I would ever want to hide from someone just in, in the pursuit of living authentically. I would never want to hide that from someone unless I felt that it, um, it would be detrimental for me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so long form answer, my partner knows, and it's actually something that I told them on the first date, which was definitely a brave choice because I know that a lot of girls are sort of like, it's up in the air. And I honestly think like for, if anyone's listening and they're dating someone new or they're like debating whether or not to tell someone that they're dating because they haven't told them that they're a sex worker yet. I always just say, listen to your heart because I did. And I knew that this person, my partner was going to understand and was going to be more open. And I just like, you just have to trust in it. And I did. And I'm so, so glad that I told my partner because they are just a lovely human being. And it was like, not even a thing, like not even a thing. Like I was like, Oh, I'm actually a sex worker. And they were like, Oh, cool. I hired a sex worker once in Las Vegas. And I was like, Oh, tell me about that. And it just, it was just such a beautiful moment of like, just acceptance. That's awesome. And yeah. And I just like, Oh God, like I hear all these stories of girls now that oh God, they go on dates and then they decide to, you know, go out on a limb and then tell someone what they do. And then it backfires. And I'm just like, oh, God, like, I wish we could live in a world where that wasn't a reality, mm-hmm. but I think that we're getting there and it's happening, but it's, it's, you know, it's a process for sure. But I think that it's happening. And I honestly think that the attitude towards sex work has changed monumentally in the last even like two years, but like for sure the last five years. Yeah, in, I see in that my all the time. Experience. Yeah, I agree. Even like strippers and stuff and like who is stripping now and the amount of strippers and the way people talk about stripping, like it's crazy. Um, from when I started to now, which has been seven years. Um, yeah, I, I, I echo that. Um, oh, 
you're like right around the time when I, so you've been doing it for seven years. So we're like veterans, basically. Oh, we're so old, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> my knees are 90. My back's 102. Like. <laughs> I stay in agreement as I take off my pants because I just can't handle pants anymore. You ever just like not want to wear pants because I'm doing it right now. Dude, jeans. I don't fuck with jeans. Yes. I literally only wear yoga pants. Do I do yoga? <laughs> Rarely. <laughs> no, I teach yoga, so I'm allowed to. Uh, what is it called? Athleisure? Athleisure. Yes, that is literally my life. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. It's it fine. It is, yes, 100%. Um, well, you actually, you bring up having a partner, and this is a question that I know a lot of people wonder. How someone who does full-service sex work and has very intimate moments with, you know, potentially strangers, then goes home and has intimate relations with their partner. And, um, you know, when you're performing sexual acts for work and you're doing sexual acts in your personal life, how do they, how do they differ? You know, aside from obviously the money exchange, um, how can you differentiate that mentally? Do you, is that necessary to do? Um, or is it always performative, performative, um, answer. (laughs) (laughs) that was adorable okay I'm gonna give a very convoluted answer again because again it's subjective right like for me I think that in the beginning so you know I've been doing this this kind of work aka erotic massage and escorting and prostitution for three and a half years and I think that in the beginning, I, I mean, it really just comes down to boundaries. I think like that's, I think that's my answer. And, you know, me like pre-therapy getting into full service sex work. And I just, I, I didn't even understand what boundaries were. Like I knew that I had some, but it actually took being in therapy for me to figure out exactly what those boundaries were. And that, you know, the, the mode of thinking that by having certain boundaries, I didn't have to do, you know, whatever someone wanted me to do. I could actually say no and things like this. So it it sort of went hand in hand for me with, um, I actually discovered therapy because of sex work. So it was a huge plus. And so for me now, you know, having been around for quite some time, almost four years now, I think that my boundaries have become even more steadfast and more clear and yeah, with boundaries comes separation and I don't want to describe it as like a switch that goes off in my head because I think that if someone were to hear that, who doesn't do the kind of work that we do, they would think that that sounds quite cold Mm -hmm. and I want to be really clear and concise in my wording when I say that it's, it's not a cold thing. And just because we are sex workers and we are paid to spend time with people or have sex with people or whatever that is, it doesn't mean, um, it doesn't negate the fact that there are definitely intimate moments. And I would be lying if I said that there weren't, you know, like I, I would just, I would be lying if I said that there weren't. And there are definitely, like, I have my my favorites. Like, I have my favorite clients, as I'm sure we all do. And those are the ones that understand 
what those boundaries are and they understand that it's okay to um, be intimate and to give yourself to someone fully as long as that stays within the confines of an hour or two hours or four hours or whatever length of date they've chosen. So yeah, that's a very long winded answer. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, Okay. So, well, you just touched on there that like, you know, people think it negates stuff and, and people have a lot of thoughts in general about sex work. So that, Brings me to my next question. You know, in your experience, what preconceived notions do you think people have about um, erotic massage or escorting or uh, misconceptions about sex work in general? So <laughs> there are many, and I actually <laughs> posted about this on my Twitter today. So I feel like reading some of them actually, because it's, it's kind of a wide plethora that I was able to dip into because Twitter is amazing. So I have people that have answered from States. I've had people that answer from Canada, but from different provinces. So if you want to, we can like read some of them. I would love that. <laughs> okay. Let's hear what these stupid people have to say. I'm <laughs> just joking. <laughs> He's not bitter. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Actually, this is a good one. So somebody wrote, a common misconception that people have about sex workers is that all we care about is money. And then she goes, then again, why does anyone else do their job? And I just said, money and enjoying your job, one does not preclude the other. Because it doesn't. Like, you are allowed to get all the money you could possibly ever want and also enjoy your job. Yep. You know, and this idea that you have to like suffer to earn your money, like it's just, it's so outdated. And I think that people are just learning different ways of doing things. Yeah. You know, and you can do, and you can do some jobs that you don't absolutely love because you want to make money like that. There's nothing wrong with that too. Not every person that does a job is like in love with their job. Like that's a lot of people work for the money. That's not, doesn't make you like a slave to the job, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just different ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Another one. So she wrote a common misconception is that we have no other life skills and that's why we picked this job. And I wrote this one blows my mind, honestly, but it really speaks to the miseducation of what various forms of sex work actually entail. It's a lot more complicated and a lot more work than people may think. And it's true. It's absolutely true. Like, oh, many different skill sets to be able to do this kind of work. And, you know, speaking frankly, like not everyone has it. Not everyone has the, I don't want to say grit, but like not everyone has the the stones to be able to do what we do because it's not easy. There's, no. there's aspects of our job that is really, really tough. Yeah. And I think like that's one of the things I say when I, I guess lecture, I say, you know, people use stripping as a metric for failure in our society. You know, if I if I lose this job, I'm going to become a stripper. If I fail this class, I'm going to become a stripper. As if it's this, like, last resort for failures. And – or another thing I hear often, too, is, you know, if I had tits like yours, I'd be a stripper. If I was a pretty girl, I'd be a stripper. It's like, you think just being a pretty girl in, in tits oh. is going to make you millions as a stripper? Like, you're, you're crazy if you think that. Like, it definitely might help you, but there's so much more you need to be able to bring to the table to be successful in sex work. 
um, that people completely look really? past and it totally diminishes how much hard work we put in as sex workers. Absolutely. Like just the skill sets required. And honestly, I love how people say that. It's really interesting that you said people use it as a metric. It's, it's true. Um, oh, it's just, I'm like, I have my head in my hands right now because it's very, it's just dated. Like we've heard it before. Like, Oh, failed school, going to become a stripper. It's like, as if it's that easy. Like they don't even understand that pole training is work. Mm -hmm. Like girl, have you taken a class at Tantra? That shit is fucking hard. Yeah. Or, or how about you walk up to a man in a restaurant and ask him to pay you a thousand bucks. See how easy that is to convince a man to give you random money. Like it's not that easy. I also like how they're not acknowledging that I honestly, I'd say probably 80% of the sex workers I know are, I don't know why I did it with a weird, like, a weird, like, new fiat in there. I knew. I knew. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> that was odd. Anyways, 80% of the sex workers I know are, um, are, are stripping in that and doing sex work, putting themselves through school. So the, the irony that people are like, if I fail school, I'll be a stripper. It's like, bitch, what do you think we're fucking doing here? Like, we are yes. the, we are your A students in your class. Like, we're not failing classes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And honestly, oh, my God, I get into, like, Twitter feuds. I try not to do it. Oh, like, that's why I don't fuck with Twitter. I can't. The week. <laughs> oh, God. What did you do? I'm dying. I'm dying. The week of the U.S. election, I was, like, getting into so many Twitter fights with people, and it was just about the most mundane stuff. And I was just like, you need to stop. But this is a hill that I will die on. Sex workers are not, like, oh, my God. I'm, like, furious right now. Sex workers are not always doing it for survival either. Like there is absolutely survival sex work, but then there's also like sex work by choice. And I think, I mean, I don't know the people that I've met and it could just be the pool of people that I'm hanging out with, but the people that I've met have all, they've all been so gung ho about what they do. And like any job, you don't always, enjoy certain aspects of it. For me personally, I don't necessarily enjoy spending hours and hours combing through emails that are like a thousand word essays. Um, but that's just an aspect of my job, right? And every job has things that you don't necessarily enjoy about it. And that's what I really try to instill in people. It like, it doesn't always have to be like oh, the sex worker doesn't like what she's doing. She must be oppressed when it's like, no, girl, I chose this and I really like my job, but thank you for trying to speak for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. And, and yeah, like I said before, why do we need to be like empowered to justify our job, right? Like you wouldn't go to Starbucks and like demand the barista be empowered in order to do her job. You know, not all jobs are extremely empowering. Do I think sex work is? Yeah, a lot of days I do like leave leave my job and be like, I, I like what I do. I like how I give back to people. I like the connections I've made. I love the people I work with. Some days am I like, ugh, like I do not want to work tonight or I do not want to, you know, uh, put on a good face right now and, and be that person for someone. Yeah, of course, I have days like that too. Not all days are empowering, but 
it also shouldn't need to be a requirement to do a job that you're constantly in love with it and you're constantly empowered by it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. All right. What other misconceptions do we got here? Okay. Let's see. Oh, here's a good one. Okay. She says a common misconception with, about sex workers is that we're all sitting around in lingerie with perfect hair and makeup all the time, just waiting to make content for them or Skype or whatever. Personally, I'm all about that sweatpants life. We literally just talked about that. <laughs> sweatpants for life. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> that's the new that's the new motto for sex workers. <laughs> I was gonna say, can that be your branding now? <laughs> that's gonna be on all my merch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> strippers for, for oh my god, sex workers for sweatpants. Yes. yes absolutely. I will buy that mug. I will do it. Um, it's so true though. Like I always, always send, cause I have clients, right. Who I go see for lunches and dinners or just hangouts. And I always send a photo of myself before I leave to my girlfriends, our little girlfriend group. And I'm always in like literally like holy sweatpants, um, like an oversized man hoodie, no makeup. I left yesterday to go see my client with my hair in a mask. Like, <laughs> Like, it's like, I said that I was like, when, once you've secured the client, like how you show up. <laughs> yeah. It's the wild, wild west out here, girl. Girl, I really be that way sometimes though. <laughs> like, you like me for my personality. I don't got to look good no more. <laughs> no. And I honestly have days where I just roll out of bed and I roll straight into my Lulu's and I'm right there with you. So I totally get it. Thank I get you. it. Dry shampoo is my best friend and I don't even care. Girl, I've literally gone to see clients with a retainer in. (laughs) (laughs) We have no shame, Uh, Like, absolutely no shame. And you know what? There you go, guys. Like, it's not about my tits that are hiding underneath my my sweatshirt. It's not about my, like, you know, whatever. Um, It really is. Like, I have the people skills that I can do that. So there you go. Okay? It's not just about being a pretty face. There, okay? It's true. It's true. (laughs) She's speaking the truth, you guys. <laughs> I cannot lie. There is no lie. <laughs> Where's the lie? There is no lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, are there any other misconceptions on your little list there? I'm sure there's millions. Yes. This one actually came from a client. Oh, God. Let's end it on this one. What is it? <laughs> I'm already annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's okay, good. good. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. So a common misconception is that the service they provide is purely physical slash sexual. The truly wonderful sex workers that I have seen have provided me with emotional support and kindness during some of the darkest periods of my life. It's really about the other 40 minutes during a one hour appointment. And honestly, that just spoke to my soul because that's how I want clients to feel. Like Mm -hmm. when I leave them and they've had their shower after our session and they're like all relaxed and mellow and not giving a single flying fuck about anything in the world. That's truly the impression that I want to leave them with. So I'm actually really glad that he weighed in. (laughs) So you didn't have to be annoyed. No, I take it back. I'm not annoyed. Random man on Twitter. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's so true. And and that's something I, I speak on quite a bit actually is that, that is a huge misconception that sex work is about sex and sexuality and there's so much more to it. Like people at the end of the day, no matter who you are, 
people need connection and companionship and they need to feel valued and validated and sex workers really do provide that for people that need it. And, um, you know, we joke in the strip club, like 90% of our job is being a therapist and listening to people. And it's so true. Yeah, no. And I joke with my friends. I mean, like joking in a serious way with my friends and they're like, Oh, what do you do? I'm like, well, I mean, really I'm a therapist. I feel like I need to do like a disclaimer, like sex work is not a replacement for therapy. Go to therapy. <laughs> Get your ass to therapy. <laughs> if you're and you have not been to therapy, go to therapy. Oh my God. I cannot stress it enough. Like I preach the gospel of therapy to anybody who will listen to me and I stand by that. Go to therapy. Um, but yeah, it's true. Like our job essentially is to listen a lot of the time. And obviously there is some physicality that happens within the, the time constraint that we're given. But I mean, primarily I always just, I'm a shoulder to cry on. I'm an ear that will listen. And if you want advice, I will give it. I don't like to, but I will. But at the end of the day, like, honestly, I truly, truly believe that the world could use more empathy and empathy is sexy. You know, like how many times have you ever just had a really shit day or even like a shit year? Let's be honest, 2020, right? Not not our best times. Yeah. Not our best times. And that's totally fine. And honestly, the only way that we get through life at all is by surrounding ourselves with really good people and people who care about our shit. And we just get paid to care about people's shit. That's all we do. So essentially, we are therapists for sure. We're just like... We're like sexy therapists. Naked therapists? <laughs> the naked therapist. Maybe you should rebrand as the naked therapist. I got a lot of rebranding to do down. <laughs> Strippers in sweatpants, naked therapist. Oh my God, actually though, the naked therapist would have been such a good name for a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Damn. Might already be taken. I don't know. Maybe check in on that. Have your lawyers talk to I'll have my people lawyers. talk to some people. Yes, that's the one. That's what I was trying to arrive at. You were almost there. Um, Yeah. Well, you are doing a great job in leading me to my next question because my next question is that sex work is obviously very uh, mentally and emotionally draining, or it can be. And how do you protect your mental health? You know, you've you've said before, therapy is huge. What else do you What else do you recommend for a sex worker's mental health or mental well being? Honestly, something that's really helped me has been finding community. And it's kind of nice because we live in Vancouver and the community is amazing and very accepting. Um, Obviously, within any community, there tends to be drama sometimes. But you know what? Like, I think for all intents and purposes, for what it's worth, I think that we have an amazing community in Vancouver. So that's been something that's helped me personally. Um, and just like connecting with people in person, like we live in this day and age of instant gratification. And while I think social media has its perks for sure, and it's very useful, um, I think that it kind of creates this barrier for people in a way, which is kind of ironic because it's meant to bring us together. But I find that a lot of the time it forces people apart because, you know, when you have this thing at your fingertips, you might be less inclined to say, go for a coffee with a friend because, oh, I watched their Instagram story yesterday and I already know what they're up to and, you know, why do I need to meet them? So in terms of like having face-to-face time, I know it's sort of difficult because of COVID, but 
wherever you can having that FaceTime, even if it's like a zoom call, I find really, really helps me. Um, and just, yeah, like having a super solid self-care regime. That was a lot of alliteration, super, super (laughs) self-care, super solid (laughs) self-care, super solid (laughs) self-care, as I say in my Valley girl accent. Um, it's, it's super important, like whatever it is for you. And there's all these like self-care articles, like, eh, like 20 ways to have a bath. And it's like, okay, but that's not, (laughs) yeah, I roll. My eyes rolled so hard that they fell out of my head, (laughs) but it's not the only way to do self-care. Sometimes, honestly, self-care is like sitting alone by yourself for five minutes and listening to like Willie Nelson. Like if you're that freak, be that freak. Um, And if it's having, you know, a $20 lush bath with all your little bath bombs and little things that you throw in there, then so be it. If it's journaling, that's it for you. But it's, it really just comes down to self-care community and you have to masturbate. Like, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Masturbation as self-care. I highly advise it. (laughs) On that note. uh... (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'll be in my bunk. I'll talk to you later. (laughs) No, I'm going to make that the title now though. (laughs) (laughs) Self-masturbation as self-care. It's brilliant. Done. I'm branding it as that now too. (laughs) (laughs) Been the branding moment for you. It really has been a really good branding night. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, obviously I'm not the only one that wanted to ask you questions. I opened it to listeners and let them ask questions as well. And a lot of them were more directed to the uh, erotic massage aspect. So the first question was, is it legal to be an erotic masseuse and what are the laws around erotic massage? Oh my God. Do you know what I, so, okay. I have to like sidebar for a second. I don't actually know like right now the laws because I haven't done an erotic massage in probably a year and a half. So updated laws, I actually have no idea. So I feel like that's probably a question I should not answer because I don't want to give anyone like like a, like a weird, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to answer wrong. Cause I don't actually know. Primarily I just do, um, like dick, full yeah. Service. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to like say the wrong thing and then have people jump on you and be like, um, she actually like doesn't know. <laughs> totally fair. Even, even like the, the legalities surrounding like, you know, companionship or escorting or prostitution, whatever you want to call it. Like I find that Canada has such gray, gray areas. I know that it's illegal to solicit, but it's not illegal to actually like do the sex work essentially. So the laws are kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a Nordic model. So, um, buyers, they go after sellers. They don't, but they kind of do go after sellers in certain ways, like solicitation and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much as a bullshit model they created to appease who they wanted to appease and still fuck over sex workers at the end of the day. So next question is pretty much kind of talking about the same thing, kind of legality a little bit. Um, is she licensed as a massage therapist? Do you need a business license to operate as a massage therapist or a massage course? And does does she have an RMT certificate? They're really concerned about your your, your level of knowledge. They really are. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wonder if this is like men asking or women. I guess we don't have any way of knowing. Um, okay. I'm going to try and answer this as best as I can. 
So typically with erotic massage, um, some workers do have their RMT or their license to actually perform massage, but it's, it's not the kind of thing where it's really regulated in our industry. So the answer from me is no, I don't have uh, my RMT certificate. No, Mm -hmm. it's more, it's, it's less of like, think about it, like less like a massage where they're getting deep tissue and where, you know, you have the potential of actually really hurting somebody um, if you press on the wrong thing and it's more about the sensual aspects of the massage so it's a lot of like uh, we call it body slide so it's a lot of coconut oil or um, nuru gel which is like a seaweed gel I think Um, and it's a lot of sliding and it's a lot of rubbing so it's it's less about the massage I think people get really hung up on the on the term massage though Mm -hmm. yeah I think um yeah, from what I've gathered from girls, I know who do erotic massage. I don't really know any that are also certified as RMTs. And RMT and erotic massage are not the same thing at all. And to achieve an RMT certificate um, and to be registered, it's a long and respectable process. And it's not easy. And I do believe there are some serious... Um, serious repercussions if you're operating as an RMT and doing erotic services mass like if you're trying to combine the two there can be some very serious repercussions from you on the RMT end so um it's I think it's very very important to uh differentiate that um when someone's an erotic masseuse I mean I have never gone to an erotic masseuse um I'm not an erotic masseuse. I'm not an RMT. But I would imagine people that are going to erotic masseuse are not really going looking for certified women who are really going to get that knot out of their back. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, like I, like you were saying, it's more about the, like the, um, the intimacy aspect or that, that human connection or the, the touch more so than an actual uh, trained professional. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's more, I would, I would describe it as being more about the connection and not so much about getting the knots out of your back. Mm-hmm, <laughs> That's mm-hmm. how I would describe it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, next question. Do clients just ask for RMT, Robin Tug, or BBJ, CIM, which is bare black blowjob, come in mouth, uh, and then is covered oral respected or not question mark just curious okay that's a bit of like a long question can you read it one more time yeah so they're asking you know do do clients just ask for a rub and tug or they do they also ask for bbj and cim which is bareback bareback blowjob or cum and mouth so so i guess what she's I asking is like do most clients come and they're asking for hand jobs or do they also want blowjobs is i think what she's trying to get at okay Oh yeah. Okay. It's, it makes sense. So <laughs> Let's I, it's like sometimes when it's a long winded question, I'm like, okay, what do you try? Like, what yeah. are you saying? And, and sometimes I do better when I can actually see the question like in writing, but that's just my brain. So a lot of clients do ask for, I call them like extras mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
I mean, I'm, I'm not really the type to do the come and mouth thing. I know that some providers offer that, but I definitely do get requests or inquiries asking. And typically it's in the first email. Very rarely do I get to, you know, the third email in with someone and they ask, you know, do you do come and mouth or yada, yada, yada. So typically someone outs themselves pretty quick if they want certain services like that. And for me personally, and again, every provider is different. Every sex worker is going to have different boundaries. But for me, come in mouth is not something that I have ever offered or ever will just because I find it to be unsafe. Um, again, speaking from a privileged position, but, um, yeah, like we do definitely get all types of inquiries. And a lot of the time it's just like, yeah, I would love to have a sensual massage and I would love to come at the end. And it's like, cool. And then other times it's, you know, do you do X, Y, Z? And then they proceed to list all of the acronyms that I don't provide. And that's always a super fun delete. Um, <laughs> cause I do, I just, I delete it after cause I find it disrespectful. Um, but yeah, I mean, long answer, short answer is, I get every kind of inquiry you could imagine. <laughs> there we go. Blanket. And then um, do they respect that you want to do um, covered oral, that you won't do bareback blowjobs? Are most clients respectful when you say that? or? I mean, there's definitely – you're always going to get the guys that try to push it. And then, again, I just come from, like, a respect point of view, and I just – with the whole boundaries aspect, it's not something that I offer. And I always just say like, if anyone's going to feel comfortable pushing someone else's boundaries, they are absolutely not the kind of person that I can see myself spending time with because, you know, all we can really do to be decent people is not push people and their boundaries. So yeah, it happens for sure. But again, that's what the delete button is for. A hundred percent. All right. So before we let you go, I have the three questions I ask at the end of every um, interview. So the first one is, what is one thing on your sexual bucket list that you haven't done yet? Okay. This is going to wow a lot of people, but I've actually never had a threesome. Hmm. Are you <laughs> particular about... Male, male, female, 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 male. Yes. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm particular, but I do definitely, I think when you see something in your mind, you definitely have a vivid picture of it if it's on your bucket list. And so for me, um, my partner is gender fluid and loves to dress and drag. And I think something that would be really hot for both of us is if we were to find a transgender sex worker and get a hotel room for a night because we like our fancy hotel rooms. Um, and just like, just have a time, maybe a bubble bath, maybe some fancy French champagne. I don't know. But if anyone's listening and wants to hit me up, please do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll plug her, uh, we'll plug her contact information at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate uh, <that. laughs> I got you. Uh, second question. One thing you've tried sexually that you probably wouldn't do again. Ooh, that's a good one. I have to think about that. One second. One thing I've tried sexually but wouldn't do again. Oh, my God. You know what? I don't even know why I had to think about this. Okay. I'm going on record to say 69 is not that good. Girl, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> 
it's just not it's uncomfortable and honestly I am like one track mind I need to be able to focus on what I'm doing girl same yeah if I'm focusing on sucking a dick I need to be focused on sucking a dick and I can't be focused on my own orgasm but it might just be like the giver in me like I'm such a giver I also like to receive because you know it's like a give and take but for me I'm a giver I love to give oral And I think that my love of giving oral supersedes my need to receive it. And it just, it's like too busy, you know, like it's too much information happening at once. And I'm like, I need to be able to focus on sucking this dick. I know. I fucking hate 69. I think it's, (laughs) I think it's such like a uh, thing people see in porn and they're like, Ooh, it's like hot and like taboo. And like, I don't know, it's crazy, but like, it's just not like someone's always going to get tired of like supporting themselves. And like, if you're like up on top of one another, not lying side by side, someone's like asshole is always too close to a nose. (laughs) I hate it. I think it's like, I'm so not, not down for it. I don't give a fuck. Um, It's true. A lot of effort. Yeah. It's totally overrated. I agree. It's, very romanticized. Mm-hmm. 100%. And the last question. If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? Oh, my. These are good questions. I know. I think I for like, myself. I feel like I should have. Oh, you know what? Okay, actually, I'm going to go into my notes for a second. Am I allowed to pull for my notes? I will allow this, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. Such an angel. I know. Don't tell anyone. Okay, I'm going into my, I actually have this saved in my notes on my phone, just as a reminder to myself. So I'm going to share it with the world. So it's a quote from Jane Fonda. She has an amazing documentary. Um, Essentially, she says, I have spent so much of my life feeling like if I wasn't perfect, no one could love me. And then I realized that trying to be perfect is a toxic journey. We're not perfect. We have to love our shadow. We have to embrace and accept our shadows. And sometimes good enough is good enough. So, I mean, I'm related to Jane Fonda, so I'm a little bit biased. What? How are you related (laughs) to Jane Fonda? Oh, my God. I love that this comes out at the very end, and it's like, surprise! (laughs) I'm Jane Fonda's sister. You're like, what? Yeah. (laughs) All that that sister I kept telling you about, that sister who got me into sex work and taught me about, like, all the STIs, it's Jane Fonda. (laughs) (laughs) Dun-dun-dun. Oh, my God. How amazing would that have been? Just a wild bombshell. She did... Yes, she did play one of the most iconic roles, like Barbarella. Who doesn't love Barbarella? Super sex, super sex symbol. Um, so yeah, no, Jane Fonda is actually my like distant cousin, and I found this out randomly because I was going through my dad's stuff, and I found this binder, and it had all this stuff like genealogy or whatever, whatever, whatever the term is, and I found our family tree. And I saw her name and I looked up. I was like, no, it can't be that. It can't be that Jane Fonda. Super fucking was that Jane Fonda. It's very strange, but it was actually kind of cool because it came at a time where I was very like wondering about who I was and my family. And so in watching her document, which I actually just did like within the past year, 
Um, it's called Jane Fonda in five acts and it's an amazing documentary. Like if you watch it, it's, she's so empowering and such a feminist and just cares so much about the environment. Like I'm so, I'm so stoked to be related to this badass bitch. Um, but it, yeah, it came at a time in my life when I was really just wondering about my lineage and in watching and researching her, uh, and this documentary, I just, I realized how similar we are and just, she's all about like healing and like her therapy. And I'm like, Oh my God, Jane, we're the same person. So that was sort of like, I don't know. It was like a pretty interesting realization. I'm not mad about it. (laughs) I'm related to Barbarella. Yeah. That's so much cooler. Do you know who I'm a distant relative of? (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Fucking bloody Mary. Do you know who that is? (laughs) What? (laughs) You know, like the queen, like queen Mary who like killed like hundreds and hundreds. Like Elizabeth Bathory. Uh, Yeah. Like uh, Tudor. Yeah. Like Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, Mary Tudor, yeah. I'm related I mean, to her. That explains a lot. <laughs> right? Just like casually killing hundreds of men. But anyways. <laughs> but yours sounds a lot cooler. I'm dying. Right? Like but yeah, anyways, that's cool that you have no Jane Vonda. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you kind of one up to me there. I'm not going to lie. I literally just waited for you to finish talking so I could win. <laughs> <laughs> you needed your moment. It's fine. You've had it. Moving and now we'll end on that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fine. I'm not even mad. Next caller, please. <laughs> but how many people did Jane Fonda kill? Like, like what are you bringing to this table? <laughs> Oh my god. I mean, I feel like anyone who is on the podcast after this needs to have some sort of cool, you know, like third degree separation something. Otherwise, it's just going to be downhill from here. I think I've peaked. Yeah, we've peaked definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a shame because we just nailed all our branding. (laughs) It's been a lot. It's been a journey tonight. It's it's been, yeah, it's my own bit. But anyways, on that note... It is time to let you go. And as always, you guys can find me on Instagram at 50plusatip or email me at 50plusatip at gmail.com. Sign to the DMs with questions, comments, who you're related to if you think you're better than us. <laughs> and also, I'm going to be hosting a Sexy Santa strip tease workshop on December 1st on Zoom. So if you want to join me for that, click on the link in my Instagram bio and get your tickets now. Thank you so much for joining me, Evelyn Rose. It's been an absolute fucking pleasure. A very long, almost two hours pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best kind of pleasure. It's like the long-winded ones. Those are, I hope we were never one of my clients. That'd be the most annoying thing to say. (laughs) Let's drag this out. (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) No, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Have a wonderful week and happy saluting. Bye. Bye. And before you guys run away, make sure to check out our amazing sponsors. We have Miss Envy Botanicals, and they're dedicated to producing 100% organic medicinal cannabis products available at upscale dispensaries nationwide. They have a wide variety of products ranging from topical skincare, culinary additives, and cannabis oil, as well as Phoenix Tears. All of their creations are produced with only the best organic non-GMO ingredients and infused with love. Use code DANNY10 for 10% off. Truly Lifestyle Brand is an all-natural and cruelty-free skincare company that allows your skin to become its best self. They just launched two new amazing products, a facial scrub and a powder exfoliant, so go check those out right now. 
Use code TRULYPLUSATIP for 10% off your first online order. Temptations Avenue Laundry is a Canadian-owned laundry brand with a variety of styles ranging from sexy and wild to demure and sweet. Check them out on Instagram at Temptations Avenue and use our discount code TIP25 to get 25% off. That's TIP25, T-I-P-2-5 for 25% off your entire order. And lastly, for hair and skincare products that work absolute wonders, follow my girl on Instagram at tiffany.valentina.bella. Message her Danny Hair to get your personal hair and skin consult and save up to 40% off on her amazing products. Have a wonderful week and happy hoeing!